Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. Oh, g'day. This is uh, Better Make It Quick. It's the quick Wednesday version of Better Than Yesterday, which is a podcast that's been running since 2013, where each episode is here to just make your day-to-day better than yesterday by having conversations with people from all over the world, from all walks of life, some of them experts in their field, the best of what they do. You'll hear something that'll make your day-to-day better than yesterday. There's episodes all the way back to 2013. Mondays and Wednesdays, I'm here with a guest. And Fridays, I'm here with you. And on Wednesday's show, uh, Brie, one of our producers here, she goes back in time to find episodes that really connect with her because I have different favorites that other people work on the show. So yeah, that's uh, here, here we are on Wednesdays. And so today, Brie has picked Guy Sebastian. Now, he and I will be forever linked. Guy was the first winner on the first season of Australian Idol. In 2013, we were both on a rocket ship. I was one of the co-hosts. Guy was one of the contestants, and we were just both holding on for for dear life, just experiencing that just just full blowtorch of intense fame and attention for the first time. And we were on that adventure together. Guy Sebastian has gone on to absolutely back up everything that happened. He's a best-selling singer and songwriter. He's got th- three number one albums in Australia at last count. Seven of his records have either gone platinum or multi-platinum. He's been a judge on X Factor Australia. He's currently a coach on The Voice Australia. And one thing that Guy Sebastian and myself have both been on a journey over the years with is our health. And when I was speaking to him at the time, I was, I was off medication when I was speaking to him at the time. And when I, when I came off my medication, I needed some direction. And I actually saw Guy and the fitness and health journey that he was on and how much he inspired me, how much he had transformed his body. And we both worked on our relationship to food while working on ourselves. Because like it or not, body image is a part of the business that we're in. I guess I was just lacking direction and then my weight and stuff and my image became the thing that I sort of blamed it on as well. I thought, well, that's holding me back and it's not fair. Like I can't change the way I look and blah, blah, blah. And so then along came Idol, I came Idol and, and I'm even in the auditions, I was there with Jules who I'm, you know, still with and, and, um, 
I kept saying to her, look how good looking that person is, or look at that person, look how, look how fit they are, or look how good looking they are. They've got the look, I don't have it, what am I doing here? And, and uh, you know, you've come up and, and interviewed me at, at this one point. And, um, and then I ended up, yeah, getting through and kept getting through and kept getting through. And it, it very much became about the singing voice. How did that make you feel after? I mean, I had no idea that you'd done that in Melbourne. Mm, that yeah. you tell, can you, can you, like, let's just, just paint that picture that we were at the, I don't think it's there anymore, some hotel in Adelaide, this, yeah. in, Intercontinental or, or, or something yeah, like that. North Adelaide. Something like that, in North yeah. Adelaide, just above the, uh, the oval there. Mm-hmm. And it was a big ballroom. Everyone was waiting to go and audition for the for the judges. Um, there was uh, no, it wasn't judges' day. It was just the producers' day. Just producers. And there it was, was like a circus. Yeah, there was. There was yeah. a grand piano. Oh yes. There was a grand <laughs> piano, and I remember I I had a a three chip, an old school three chip uh, video camera because we were shooting a behind the scenes show for Channel V, and I needed to go and you know interview some people because like, we have to get content because we've got to make this behind the scenes show as part of our deal. Channel V lending me and James out for Idol was like we had a <laughs> yeah, behind right. the scenes show to make, so I had wow. to run around and start filming interviewing people. And I remember you were sitting with your back to a grand piano, you were enjoying some lunch, and there were like three or four of these super chiseled, mega jawed, yeah. abs ahoy, like trapezoidal shaped dancing guys and, yeah. on the grand piano all harmonizing and stuff together. Mm. I remember looking at them going, bloody hell, those guys look like they spend more time in the gym than in you know, yeah. rehearsal studios. Jesus. Yeah, and, and it was very daunting for me. Yeah, yeah. Because that me, to me represented the key. They had yeah. the keys to, yeah. the, to get into the industry. Yeah. yeah, and then you know, I, you know, I rolled tape, and I, you know, I walked up to you, and we had a conversation about those guys, and and that and that was it. You yeah. know, we, we kept going. So as you went uh, further and further through the process, and no one said anything about your image or your mm. your weight, did what did that do to your self belief? Well, it, uh, I guess it's sort of you know, it's funny because the uh, the first. You only remember the negativity, you know, like my first audition, Marsha said, I had the best voice she's heard so far. And, and Mark said something about, you know, it being a gift. And then, and then Dicko said, yeah, but you look like crap. So I, I walked away from there going, I look like crap. Like, and, uh, you know, and I like, you know, I, I was wearing this op shop jacket and this is, you know, the, oh, I had terrible fashion sense and, and, uh, but, but that to me, that one comment, even though I got through, I went, this is, that's going to be the hurdle. My, my, my appearance, that's going to, that's going to be the thing that stops me again, you know, like, and yeah, I'll get through on my voice, but ultimately that'll be the thing. So it, it, even though I was getting through, I still had this thing that, yeah. nah. and you know, so after winning, you would think that would give me some level of, of confidence and all that sort of stuff. But I guess the uh, the comments never stopped about weight. And, and a lot of the times they were positive, to be honest, because I think TV, as um, everyone says, it adds some pounds to sure you. Does. So, so in, in public, I, everyone would comment on my weight. Every day I'm talking every day that I was in public, someone would say, and multiple times a day, oh, you're so much skinnier in real life. I thought you'd be a lot bigger. I'd rock up to photo shoots. There was 38 
waist jeans. I was a 31, 32. So I think I just looked a lot fatter on TV. So when people said you're a lot skinnier, I didn't take it as a compliment. I took it as, you know, you look fat on TV. (laughs) Isn't that funny how our brains can distort and listen to only the thing that reinforces the negative view we have of yeah, ourselves. our insecurities. Yeah, mm. his, you know, and it's a perfect example. Three judges, one, two, three, two positive comments, one negative comment. Let's be honest, four showbiz because we're making a TV show. Yeah, and yeah exactly. His job on the show was to be the one. He was that, the record company he guy. Was the, he was the guy that says the thing to knock the people down a peg. Yeah. That was his role. That was his character. That's the a- role he was playing. Absolutely. And that's where he was coming from when he said yeah. it. Yeah, and, and I'm closest to Dicko yeah. as well out of that whole process. I, I've just loved that guy. But that's He's, the only thing you remember, you know. That's, that's the thing that, was the that negative defines thing. us, you yeah. know. And, and, and it's interesting, like people will say, you're skinny. God, look at you. You're so skinny. Yeah. Our brains goes, I must look fat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, what do they actually mean? You know? Isn't that, <laughs> so. isn't that just wild that until we adjust our personal perceptions of ourselves, it doesn't matter what the input is. We'll find mm. a way to filter it so it fits our yeah. perspective. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's also um, as you get older, you, you, you tend to be a little wiser about how you – you view that relationship, you know, and, and, and that was now it, when I talk about it, I can see that it, it was so much more than just appearance. It, it was a representation of failure for me. So, uh, so I look back and I go, well, that was the thing that that's, you know, stopped me from doing what I thought I was meant to do. So how do you trick your brain into doing the things you don't want to do, but you know that are good for you? I am not great with structure. So Again, I analysed myself and I'm like, well, I'm not, I don't have a lot of structure in my life and I don't have a lot of structure in my processes with how I do things creatively, especially. Um, so I introduced structure. And, and I think that the general rule of thumb is, is it's what I said, like about being uncomfortable. We, it's those things that you don't want to do. So try and develop a bit of structure to getting those things done. As you said, it might be the laundry. Well, set aside a certain time in the morning or whatever whatever it is, like set aside a, a little bit of time where you put an alarm on your phone and you put a reminder on and you you force yourself to just do it. And and I think it's easier said than done, but the, the thing you always realize and everyone comes to this realization is that it's not as big as you thought it was. It was way bigger in your head. That task was way bigger in your head. And um, and also I think you have to reward yourself as well. So, you know, with with what I do, if if I say to myself, well, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and at the end I'm gonna go for nine holes of golf or at the end I'm gonna play the, you know, Call of Duty for a little while and turn my brain off or, um, you know, with the training, same thing. Like I I have gotten really good at at rewarding myself by just relaxing a little bit and, you know, I'm I'm not training for a shoot or anything right now. So go and have some yum cha with my family and like reward yourself because I did it that week. But don't reward yourself if, you didn't do it, you know, like it's, it's, it's really simple. I, I think people are always looking for those 
easy processes? And the simple answer is it's just not easy. You just have to do it. You just have to. It's, there's no easy answer to it. There's no process except for just doing it because you will realize it's not as hard as you thought it was and it's not as bad as you thought it was. Everyone that I speak to always comes to that realization. That's some extraordinary knowledge that you've just imparted. And it, as you mentioned it, I was just thinking, we think we're smart. We think we're incredible. The guy that drives us electric cars is sending his electric car to Mars. How fucking <laughs> clever are we? We're lab rats. Yeah. Push yeah. the thing, the light goes on, the treat comes out. Yeah. Push the thing, the light Seriously. goes on, the treat comes out. Push the thing, the light goes on, no treat. Push the thing, push the thing, push the thing, push the thing. Yeah. You know, we're lab rats. Oh, we absolutely. really are. We, we are that simple. And all we need to do is realize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like you mentioned, what's the task? What's the, what's the completion of the task? Yeah. What's the reward? Exactly. Just do those three things. Yeah. Shit gets done. Exactly. <laughs> and it's not that hard. It really isn't. It's, it's yeah, I think we do overcomplicate it. And it's funny because people will read, like I've seen my wife do it. Like one, they want to achieve something so they'll they'll read three books about how to achieve it when really they kind of know how to achieve it already but they uh, people are people will spend more time on the quest of how to do something when deep down they know they just got to do it you know (laughs) it's cycling through the kick drum sounds reading self-help books and it not is. doing the work no. is cycling through the kick drum sounds. But convincing yourself that you are doing the work. Yeah, yeah. So, I, oh, yeah. I found that, I found that in, in sobriety, I found that there's a big difference between not drinking hmm. and being sober. Yeah. Like not drinking is holding on with my fingernails digging into the table through a dinner party with my grit just trying to get drink, by drink. without drinking alcohol. Yeah. Doing the work, which was figuring out why, I would need to alcohol to get through a dinner party yeah. was the tricky and hard part. But once I got that done, not drinking, easy. Yeah. Easy. You just got to get, you got to get, get the work done. Now yeah. tell me, now you've got this discipline around your process. Mm-hmm. What are the lyrics like? Are you happy with the creativity that you're coming out with? Yeah, absolutely. It's not big in my head anymore. I'm, I'm out the other side now and I've got processes in place. So, um, and also I know when I'm stuck, sometimes it's not, necessarily because I'm being lazy sometimes as in the creative world it is a little bit different like sometimes it's not like doing laundry you know um laundry is going to get done by doing it sometimes in the creative world it's not that simple so so I've I've also taught myself the process of walking away and you know coming back to it but but uh but yeah look it's so much better I I um I, I just feel like it I, I, I'm not it, – it's not such a big task and I'm not so insecure about it and I don't spend the time looking for reasons to not write. Like, you know, one of them being there's so many other people that are better lyricists than me and they're so much po- more poetic than me and have such a larger vocab than me. And, and um, I, I spend my time now reading and, you know, reading some poetry for, for inspiration or looking at certain ways certain songwriters say things and, and um, yeah – it's so much it's so much simpler for me now i'm not not as not as overcome by the task such amazing advice from guy really clever we're going to hear a bit more about how touring with the music 
legend absolutely changed Guy's career and his approach to music. Right after this, we're just going to play some quick ads. There are ad-free versions of this show. If you'd like an ad-free version, you can find it at Patreon, patreon.com slash osher. Until then, here's some commercials to pay the bills. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Guy Sebastian has had a long and fantastic and very successful career that continues to march on. He's a very talented singer, songwriter, record producer. He's not afraid to take risks, not afraid to take new directions and really challenge himself creatively. He toured with the legendary artist Booker T. And you don't walk away from something like that unchanged. And I wanted to know what happened after working with Booker T and how did that change his life? That was a, a turnaround in my life. So that was pretty low. I was at a fairly low point in my career. And uh, for, people yeah. who don't, for people who don't know, can you, can you basically ex- explain who, who this band is and, and well, why it was important that you toured with them? Yeah, well, I, I – um, so that's an example of losing money on tour but it being an investment into my career. So I, I, I grew up on Stax – soul um i liked motown but there was something gritty about Stax music i'm more a Stax guy yeah it just yeah. had this kind of you know when stax you, google that you'll figure it out yeah Stax, Stax. you know in 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 memphis there was sort of a there was sun studios and there was the Stax, you know guys as well and 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 the house band was basically booker t and the mgs and so they would get people like otis redding through you know sam and dave wilson pickett all of these guys would come through and record with this band you know muscle shoals were were the other guys that used to you know they did a lot of the motown stuff and a lot of the more polish stuff but the stacks band were they just had this thing donald duck done on bass had just very simple but super melodic lines and and uh you know, the Memphis horns, just such a grit to it. They didn't have the budget that Motown did or the polish, but it had this soul to it. And, you know, you look at Memphis from Aretha to so many other people who grew up in that in that area, it, I, I, it just taught me a lot about how to perform. Otis Redding, Sam Cooke, they were my heroes growing up. And so um, I always wanted to do something along those lines but I never in a million years thought I would actually record with that band and um, yeah I mentioned I was at a low point in my career I I released a bunch of stuff it didn't work there was talks I was going to get dropped um, from the label and and, um, it was kind of a it's almost unthinkable 
then yeah, you'd yeah. get dropped. Oh, but, so but, I can only imagine how tough it was behind the scenes that that was on the on the card. Well, it was just nothing was working. Like I tried a bunch of stuff and it just wasn't working. And, um, you know, I, there was talks about doing this covers album and it, and um, it, it was this ballads thing. And, and I love ballads, but this one was like, it was super cheesy. It was... It Guy was, Sebastian, ballads, yeah. the perfect Mother's Day gift. Honestly, and it was that. It was, it yeah. was geared towards that. There was Peter oh, Satira yeah, and like Barbara Streisand people was on the list. All these songs. And I wasn't. They weren't even songs that I kind of – I love ballads, but they're usually like soul R&B ballads or, or yeah. just, you know, or old school like Chicago or something. Or, but it, they, these were just things that was – I don't know. I, I, had, I said like I'd, I'd rather quit than do this. Like I don't want to do it and I'd rather be dropped. I'd rather quit. Um, and if I'm going to do a covers album, it has to be what I, what I feel like I want to do. And so – you know, the idea was thrown around. It originally, um, I, I, it originally came from actually my agent, Tony Grace. He had just been to Memphis and he knows how much I love that music. And he originally was talking about us like a Sun Studios type vibe where it was Elvis and it was more of a rock soul thing. And I was like, oh, dude, if I'm doing anything Memphis, it has to be soul. Like the stacks was just insane. And then um, my manager at the time, Titus, ran with the idea as well and and uh then yeah then it just came to came about and dennis you know like you, you take that to your record label dennis is the boss of sony music dennis they, they call him the don because oh, he's, yeah. he's the godfather 30 something of years he's the been godfather of the music industry he really is yeah but uh, to be honest i went in there thinking dennis is not gonna it's not motown it's not super pop a lot of this is kind of the lesser known of the soul stuff you know it's uh Dennis just loved the idea and just championed it from the start. And, you know, that, that's, that's not me sucking up to, my, to the CEO of my label because, like, I don't need to. We've been through so much together. He, he has never once said, no, you have to do this to me. Not once in my career, which I'm really grateful for. And he, yeah, he, he kind of green-lighted the whole thing i went to memphis we recorded this album like it was done back in the day to to analog tape one take like uh, i reckon 85 percent of the album was one take there might have been one or two songs where you know dark or someone wasn't happy or or um whatever but i had to be on my a game because like the way music's recorded nowadays no one's doing one take like they'll do a hundred takes and comp little words, you know, I like this word from that take and I like this little note from that take and this from that take and um, it'll be like a, a jigsaw puzzle, you know, when you look at a vocal take. But this I had to nail from top to bottom in a performance, you know, and I had the horns playing here. We all recorded in the same room. It was mind-blowing. The gear we used because I'm just a total gear slut and so it's – we were using old compressors and like microphones, like vintage Big vacuum gear. tubes everywhere. Oh, it was like, I mean, I, I have a lot of that gear that I've collected over the years, and and but some of this stuff is like, you know, we're talking thirty thousand dollar compressors, and, wow. and like it, it was insane. And so we ended up with the Memphis album, and it it sold really well for me. And then I wanted to tour it, so I flew the guys out. You know, we opened the show with a warm up show at the bridge hotel in Balmain and it's it's a small gritty little hotel and it's just such a great venue to play in you know 
when the band got up there, they were almost 70 years old. These legends, people filed in. It was packed, you know, sold out. And, and people were standing out the front just to hear these guys play. Um, you know, Donald, you know, couldn't get up on stage. I remember my tour manager and myself just pushing him by, by, his, by his butt, you know, getting him on stage. And um, he's like, thank you. And then gets his bass around and then just starts playing. And it was like, you're talking Steve Cropper on guitar who wrote Midnight Hour, you know, Dock of the Bay, um, so Knock on Wood, so many other songs that have shaped, you know, soul music. And they're on stage with me. And so the thing that originally was something that I thought was going to be the end of my career, some sort of covers, cheesy ballad album, it ended up being the critically most acclaimed thing I ever did. I've got to say, I'm so grateful to Guy Sebastian for coming on the show. He remains one of the all-time greats. That was from 2018, that show was. Yeah. And if you want to hear the full chat, it's really good. There's heaps more in it. You can scroll back and listen to episode 237. On Friday, I'll be back here. And then on Monday, we've got a new guest on Monday, which I'm, I'm stoked about. So thanks heaps for being a part of the show. If you need me, it's super easy to find me. Send us your email at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram, Osher underscore Ginsburg. And yeah, send me a photo of where you're listening. I know you're listening to this on a phone right now. So shoot a photo, shoot it to me on Instagram or email it to me. It's always fun to see. Let someone know about this show, please. It really helps us out here. Subscribe, like, rate, share, however you can. That'll be really, really good. Big thanks to everyone that helped me make the show today. Bree Steele on research support. She produced this episode. Andy Ma, who cut it up and made it sound good. Rachel Barrett, the executive producer of everything. And Toe Hider, who made the music. Thanks heaps for listening. I'll see you on Friday. Sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.